0: (音楽) Thank you. thank you
1: yes welcome aboard
0: Shit, I glad to be muted. here I was muted
1: god damn it <laughs> what's going on Jared
0: I was muted so nobody heard my wonderful intro it's okay We'll
1: do I think you should go ahead and do an intro just for I, later I'll so. record
0: it later but, um... that
1: was right. a good that was a good intro I know and I don't believe you'll record it later but whatever I, I will all
0: right all right should we do, we'll ask everyone in chat should we do a do-over
1: <laughs> what's the chat say
0: uh, i haven't heard it yet because we're on delay
1: oh wait it's like a 30 second delay i think most people know who john is anyway i know
0: but i want people on the podcast i'll read it again okay we're starting okay. over five all right here we go greetings <laughs> what did I say? Good evening. Welcome to Knox Mente. Tonight's guest is John Rasmus of Mysterialis Ghost Investigations. John investigates ghosts and spirits in an attempt to capture evidence of their existence to show to the world. John is a firm believer due to him being a first hand witness of spirit contact. His most life changing experience was in 2010. A literal spirit demon revealed itself to him and Six months later, in 2011, he rented a room, which turned out to have an active poltergeist. He lived with this poltergeist for six months. He has witnessed things that very few humans have. John, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) It's like a deja vu, John. Yeah. (laughs) We've done this like twice already. It's so great. Anyway, it is nice to have you here. I can read it one
0: more time if you want.
1: We could go for go for broke, Jared. <laughs> That's okay. pull <laughs> <laughs> <Hold> on repetition. <laughs> um, but we we have we have uh, been wanting to get you on for a while, and Brandon Young has definitely pushed for it since we started. So who
0: is in the chat? I am gonna add. Hello, hello everyone in chat.
1: Hello everyone in chat, which I don't see. So it's great to have you on board and finally talking with you. So let's yes. get right into this. Give us a little, a little background on you. The early, earliest stuff you can recall in your life. The first memories that come up. What, what comes to the surface? But the first memory that I've ever had? Yeah, just so, and well, right around there, like your very first welcome into this like waking.
0: What, what your childhood was like. What it. What you know cartoons you watched on Saturday, those kind of things.
1: Okay. I was kind of leading
2: into that chair, but I was... I'm sorry. The sorry. earliest memory I can remember is uh, I was about three years old, and it was snowing outside. And I I was born in Idaho, actually. And uh, the snow came up to my forehead, and I wasn't allowed to go outside. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't know how tall it was, but up to the window, it looked looked like three feet tall, but I was only three feet tall. And uh, I guess it really snowed really bad that winter. That's pretty much my earliest memory. I wasn't allowed to go outside because the snow was way too tall.
1: (laughs) In later years, when you got a little bit older and were able to go, did you, because Idaho gets a lot of snow, and I'm from Iowa, which also gets a lot of snow, we made snow tunnels. There was always that much snow where we could make tunnels where all us kids would, like, have forts inside the snow. hmm Did you experience, did you make... Snow, snow forts snow for
0: rural. rural.
2: Yes. Yeah, um, I don't have any memories of snow forts because we moved shortly after that to... Uh, first we moved to Colorado, then we moved to uh, California. And I was mostly raised in California.
1: Oh, okay. Well, that would answer that. Yeah. So in these in the early days, earliest if you can remember, what was the stuff that caught your attention as far as the world around you, and the, now we're we're looking at like cartoons, pop culture uh these kinds of things, and also your relationship with nature
2: um you know, I was a fan of Robotech that was the first uh anime probably I was ex- ever exposed to. And I really liked Robotech and, uh, you know, um, He-Man, Thundercats, um, (laughs) Mask, those little uh, cartoons on Saturday morning. I'd watch those. And uh, nature, you know, I've always been a fan of nature and animals. Um, I've always had a cat or a dog in the house and just a real big fan of, uh, of animals. I respect them. Uh, I've never wanted to hunt them, for example. I've always mm-hmm. just wanted to observe them, you know. And, uh, you know, I like going on nature walks and stuff like that.
1: In in these early days, the young John, my wolves are going crazy out there. Uh, did you experience, do you remember being a child that jumped a lot?
2: Uh, no, actually, I barely dreamed uh, as a kid. I can remember one of my first dreams, or at least one of my first nightmares, if you want me to share that.
1: Oh, yeah, please. How old were you with that, first of all? Around?
2: Um, I wasn't that... I I was about probably seven years old when I had a nightmare. That's the first dream I could pretty much remember and it was very simplistic it was just a jack in the box toy and i turned the crank on the side of this jack in the box toy and a glove punched me in the face when it came out as on a on a spring and i had that dream a good 5 times until it wasn't scary anymore but when it first happened i was freaked out it woke me up and uh I don't know if that came from a movie or a TV show. I don't know. but
1: uh, Was it one I... of those that was like a clown?
2: Yeah, well, you normally there would be a clown's head on the end of the spring, but in the dream it was just
1: a boxing glove that punched me in the face every time it popped out. Oh, wow. And in your the toys that you had, did you ever have a jack-in-the-box?
2: No, I don't ever remember having one.
1: That's interesting. Also, when to the point where it got, we where it was not scary anymore because it happened so many times. Uh-huh. Did what did what happened that changed that? It was just the repetition of it, or did you just finally confront it?
2: Yeah, probably the repetition. When when I was no longer scared of it, it stopped.
1: I never had it again. That's a good one. I like this as an early dream, especially since it was repetitive, reoccurring. Yeah. Were you back in these so still back in the young John days did you have things that were you'd call scary like um you know things under the fear of under the bed fear of the dark fear of the woods
2: uh, No, not particularly. I I was never scared of the dark. My sister is deathly afraid of the dark, but uh, I never was.
1: Also, in this early stage, did you have anything that you would consider paranormal going on?
2: Um, No, I didn't have, I mean, the most paranormal exposure I had as a kid was watching the occasional Unsolved Mysteries episode where they talk about ghosts, and it was kind of a foreign concept to me. I didn't know if it was real or not because I didn't experience it as a kid.
1: Oh, I loved Unsolved Mysteries. That was what we had back then. That was like one of the few things to work with. Yeah. Um, Also, back there, were you raised in a religious family? Uh, I
2: mean, I would say they are semi-religious, but uh, uh, a belief in spirits was still a foreign concept, even in uh, a semi-religious family, because. They'll talk about the Holy Ghost, but then they they don't believe in ghosts. Kind of uh, both ways type uh, of of seeing things. So I wasn't raised That's with a diehard belief in ghosts. Typical of Catholics,
0: though. They're very spiritual. They think of you know the, the Holy Spirit, just like you said. But ghosts, no way they don't exist. My folks are like that.
1: Yeah. So you were you were raised Catholic?
2: No, I wasn't raised Catholic. Uh, it's it was more of a Protestant type of group, but yeah, I don't particularly, I so. I'm not particularly going there anymore. But uh, you know, I, I was raised on uh, knowing the teachings of the different uh, scriptures.
1: Yeah, that well, that's all. That's all I was looking for is just if, what kind of religious. If this is all just underpinning for so the people get an idea when we're talking about dreams and dreaming, where what's your background? You know, mm-hmm. it's a little is something to consider who you are uh so moving into into when you started having dreams so i'm gonna was it around that seven year mark when you had that first nightmare
2: i mean that's when i started probably remembering dreams i'm sure i had dreams but they probably disappeared immediately and i couldn't remember them the next day
1: yeah yeah of course i i I agree. I think we're all, we all have them. This is a memory thing. So, but as just in this idea of dreaming and recall of dreams, at the age of seven, were you having, were they starting to register to you besides this nightmare? Like, do you have examples? What was, what was your experience with dreaming at this time? Um,
2: it would have been rare and few and far between. Uh, I can mention a recurring dream I had after that one, probably two years later. It's around um, nine. Yeah, around nine, I had a dream where I was on a bridge, and I think the bridge was made out of stone, and there was a stone statue... On one end of the bridge, completely blocking it, so I couldn't, I couldn't leave that direction. I turned around, and there was a stone statue on the other end, and so I was completely stuck with no exit on this stone bridge with two stone uh, figures, which they kind of looked like like a Roman soldier, something like that. And uh, so I was forced to dive into the water. And uh, I had that reoccurring during many times over and over and over.
1: Do you have a fear of heights?
2: Uh, not particularly, no. What about
1: of water?
2: No, I'm a big fan of water. I like swimming in the ocean, swimming in the uh, the pool.
1: I like how you problem solve, though, where, so you, this? St- I mean, the stone, figures are formidable and you <laughs> just dive off. That's mm-hmm. a good, you know, that's, that's great problem solving right there. <laughs> yeah. How long would you say these went on? Well, that dream
2: is my most recurring. I probably had that dream a good 30 plus times, but, uh, I haven't had it for many years now.
1: Did it last for years?
2: Yeah. It lasted for easily five years.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's a goody. And, and okay. when, I,
2: when I look at that dream, I consider that there's one way you can go. There's another way you can go. And I kind of refuse both. And <laughs> I just <laughs> dive and. Uh...
1: Yeah, it's good. And and that's what, another thing I wasn't getting. Usually people with a sense of. Uh, this is why I start the fear of heights or water, because that would be something that would obviously be an impasse, you know, or confronting it. You just went on over. It's great. Mm -hmm. What what do you, so when you, what was the feeling, the general feeling during those dreams when you'd wake up over the totality of having them over the years? Was there, were they odd because there's a reoccurrence factor there or were they, was there a frustration when you'd wake up? Did you have, you know, what was the feeling afterwards?
2: Um, It was just kind of a familiarity. Like I just went to a, a, a place that was physical and real and I just got back and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that place. Uh, that's, that's mostly how I felt.
1: Yeah. Excellent. So on, on dreams, what, what's your experience in the dream landscape and this doesn't have to be this is just in general now how do you experience them and so you know you know like color black and white tactile senses smell can you read that kind of stuff just the nuts and bolts
2: um color is very common for me so when i started hearing that other people dream in black and white i consider that odd because uh, I can't even remember a single time that I've ever dreamed in black and white. It's always in color. And uh,
1: I find that black and white's rather rare.
2: Yeah. And, uh, I, I guess another dream I'm just remembering now when I was a kid, um, I was flying. Flying is a very common dream, right? And, uh, so I think I was around 14, something like that. I was flying and I was showing off to my classmates that I could fly, like Superman. And always in dreams, the other people don't care. They never are amazed. They're like, eh, who cares that you can fly?
1: <laughs> I so this it's a funny little thing here. I always ask when I'm asking how people fly, everyone plays. Differently in dreams, mm-hmm. and Superman is one of my go-to images because we all know what that looks like. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. awesome that you have the Superman experience. I, when I first was flying, people were all astonished. I was showing off, but I was mm-hmm. floating uh, it, with friends. That's interesting. When so around fourteen, is this when you were first starting to fly, or had you had these kind of up and out? experiences before that
2: Uh, around that time frame I started uh, flying at will and always in my dreams the other people act like I don't know they kind of act like an NPC in a video game they don't
1: even pay attention kind of weird and so on the one you were talking about earlier were these your friends so were they people you recognize
2: yeah people from
1: school yeah. yeah. Excellent. I love that you had flying dreams that early. You know, the flying dreams, it's interesting that you say that everyone flies, but it's it's not necessarily that way. A lot of people don't seem to. So oh, it's, okay. that's your experience, which is great. Do you still fly in dreams?
2: Um, occasionally, I uh, recognize it's a dream and I could do anything, you know, like a superhero, you know. So that's so, usually only if I know it's a dream and I realize.
1: And would you say that when you're in that knowing state that you feel lucid?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I do, you know, here and there do have lucid dreams. And uh, sometimes it's hard to tell if it's another dimension or if it's just,
1: you know, in my mind, you know. What do you think's the difference there?
2: Um, yeah, I'm not an expert on uh, the potential astral realm, but, you know, I uh, have you ever had that sensation where you jolt, you, you jolt and then you wake up? Ever yes, had that? absolutely. I've, you know, I heard somewhere that that's your spirit popping back in your body. I don't know if that's true or not, but
1: uh, it kind of feels like it, you know. It 100% feels like it. That's where I'm at with it. So on this show, we, we're we not actually, we're looking for each person's experiences, and mm-hmm. I could give a shit about what other people's actual scientific method research has proven in this realm. mm mm-hmm talking about dreams my whole life so i find that there's a lot more if we're open to just the everyday person talking about what they think is going on rather mm-hmm. than uh citing studies and all that so f- really just feel free it, it's everyone here knows this is keep an open mind territory mm-hmm. uh, so in, in the lucidity aspect, what is your experience with it, though? Do you have, is there a moment where you're like, how do you experience it? You're like, all of a sudden you realize you're dreaming and you can focus in on stuff and start changing the architecture. How does it look like when you go lucid? Um, well, uh, th- yeah, things change. Um,
2: you know, like... I'll be in a restaurant and then I, when I realize it's not real, almost it changes into a totally different building. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be walking down a hallway and I'll realize it's not real and I can turn it into stairs and just strange things like that. Uh,
1: when you're, so in that experience, are you able to hold high lucidity for very long
2: um uh well you know usually it's pretty short it's usually pretty short pretty fleeting uh mm-hmm. i usually wake up very shortly after realizing it you know
1: yeah i hear i hear that a lot i find that even with people who go full on obe i hear that a lot with the lucidity part it's it's i'm finding that very interesting indeed so in in the in the dreaming aspect of all this is there so we got a sense a little bit of these reoccurring dreams that obviously reoccurring dreams give us a stable sense of architecture like that bridge was always a theme so we get themes is there Is there architecture within the dreamscape you experience that is you can count on? Like you know, you know where you are, even though it may look different, but you know you've been in this plaza before, you've been in this particular area, even though the things are different. The familiarity of it without it being a reoccurrence.
2: Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Um, Those are the ones that it's hard to remember more than any, but um, I'll definitely be in a city I've never been before in the dream. And I remember, I'll remember having been there a dozen times and then I wake up and then it disappears, you know?
1: Yeah. That's fascinating. Do you have any examples of those kinds of things that you can recall right now?
2: Um, like re repeating ones.
1: Yeah. Just like the city you've, you've been in but it's changed but you know the city or any dreams that kind of hold the same feeling of remembrance hmm well
2: usually it's different every time except for those rare scenarios that I I those I forget them immediately um but I can talk about uh I did see an entity once I saw a being I saw an angel like creature uh, oh will you tell us about that that was in 2015 and it's probably the shortest dream i've ever had <laughs> it lasted probably 5 seconds 10 seconds and then it was over and then i woke up and i immediately wrote it down and drew a picture of it Ooh. and um it was just an it was a an angel like person levitating floating in the sky superman style just just standing there in the air with their legs dangling. And it was it was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy with long blonde hair, and he was wearing a white robe, and he had no feet. His feet were bare, just uh, levitating there. And he had uh, a green cloak on, and he was like brilliant emerald green. It kind of looked like uh, felt. It kind of looked like a royal cloak you would see on a king from a, a, mm-hmm. a, a medieval king uh, portrait or something. Mm-hmm. And it had trim. And the trim was gold and white. And it, was, it had an L-type shape repeating over and over on the trim. And it, the entity had uh, what looked like a steel collar um like three steel bars perfectly curved around his collar and they went into his upper chest and he looked at me and i almost zoomed up and looked at his cloak and zoomed up and looked at him it was pretty freaky it had a menacing vibe to be honest i woke up immediately and i wrote it down it was too lucid and too specific and too short to not mean uh, anything I, I thought i had the sensation it was a real being check just observing me and showing itself to me or something
1: when you say you zoomed up did you do that in what feels like a physical way or did it you know, like in a video game where you cam up your crosshairs yeah
2: it the zoom up was kind of like uh like a movie zooms up you know it was It didn't seem to be me that was physically floating up to it. It was like it was the entity if it was if it was the real entity showing me itself, it wanted me to see the detail on its cloak for some reason.
1: (laughs) Wow, this is fascinating. And so these these three metal bars, they actually went into his chest.
2: Yeah. I I didn't know if it was decorative or what. I only saw it for a few seconds.
1: And and can you do on The eyes, I'm interested on the eyes. Did you get eye contact?
2: Yeah, the thing was staring exactly at me, and uh, it was looking down at me like there's a lowly, there's a lowly, uh, uh human type look, and uh, it was just regular blue eyes.
1: Did it appear to be shining in any way or you know, lit?
2: Oh, yeah, that's right, it had a very vague, um halo of yellowish goldish light around the whole the whole uh, entity it wasn't extremely bright just uh, barely bright enough to recognize it
1: and was there any sense of so you you said this but i don't know if it was a sense you had in within this experience that it was looking down you said the lowly thing like you you know that Mm -hmm. I find that interesting. Was there a sense of communication?
3: Um,
2: If there was, it was just the image. It was uh, nonverbal. It never opened its mouth. It never telepathically communicated. It was just, here I am. uh, And that's it. That was the message.
1: And so you got the feeling that... It was looking like the lowly thing, like you, like you were less than.
2: Well, it it was levitating considerably higher than me, and I had
1: a sense that I was probably
2: standing on the ground.
1: Mm-hmm. And and so it was. Was there? I can't remember. I write. I write a lot of details down. I also kind of automatic write while we do these. It, was there a sense that? I'm looking for a sense of mood with it
3: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah it had a creepy vibe to it to be honest that's what I'm I'm trying to figure out this is fascinating oh and then you mentioned no feet so was it because the green robe was covering the bottom Uh, half
2: it had feet it just didn't have shoes if I said no feet I meant to say no shoes
1: okay yeah because I
2: had no feet question mark
1: (laughs) I'm like all right what's going on here? Uh, I, could no, see
2: bare, I could see its bare feet just dangling.
1: Uh, that's interesting. This is fascinating. Have you put online anywhere that you're drawing of this?
2: Yeah, I made a video on it.
1: Oh, yeah. good, Jerry. Will you get make sure we? I want to see that for sure.
2: Which video was it?
1: Um,
2: I believe it's called "I Saw the Devil."
1: <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, I remember that one.
2: Okay, I did jump to the conclusion it was the devil.
1: Um, Can you explain that here, real just for the gist of that for people, including well, me, that don't haven't seen that video. When I had it, it,
2: it was more like a vision, but it was clearly a dream. It was a dreamlike state. Um, I was totally asleep. I had this extremely lucid, vivid dream of an entity floating. Very short. I woke up immediately drew a picture a really crude picture because i didn't uh i didn't want to glorify the entity if it was negative i didn't want to do a fancy drawing of it i drew it really plainly and i i did have the sense he was some type of demon or the devil himself and people are going to believe or disbelieve but if the devil exists i don't think he has horns you know he probably looks oh, like a yeah, regular I, person I agree.
1: yeah
3: yeah
1: uh, uh, I'm just curious as to how how you got to that uh, that how you came to that conclusion that it was it, as you know maybe maybe you don't but I think you do that the like the higher the Sarah or in any of the higher orders especially mm-hmm. up to the nines are scary mm-hmm. but they're they're completely like a, a you know. A, doing air quotes here, but at God's right hand. And they're, they're they're fearful. You know, people are afraid of them. They're usually androgynous as well, but they're not friendly or nice feeling. Uh-huh. So I, I wonder how you, why you think it was on the other end of the spectrum?
2: Well, I, about a year before this dream, I, I bought a piece of moldavite, I and love I did Moldavite, some, John. <laughs> yeah. And I, I did some research on the mythology connecting the devil to Moldavite. And I don't necessarily know or believe in any of it, but I was just researching it for a video. And a lot of people made the connection to the devil and green go together. Mm-hmm. And like uh, Blavatsky believed that.
1: Yes.
0: That's why and, uh, the money is the root of all evil.
2: Yeah. And... I don't know if it was the devil but the green robe really struck me a year later I have this dream about an entity in a green robe and then the L shaped design kind of kind of uh screamed lucifer that's mm-hmm. to be honest what I thought the first second I saw it in the dream itself
1: Yeah I I got a sense of that when you were talking about the L design and of course as we know lucifer was a seraph and uh so i i see how you got there i just wanted to hear it and i'm definitely going to be on that video i i'm fascinated by it. this is this is one of those things i'm looking for in what since jerry and i've been doing that show are these particular beings uh so this is highly significant for me personally it, uh i'm i'm glad that you actually had the foresight to get up and write this down and then and bring this forward for yourself as well it's, it's one of the
2: few dreams that impressed me so much that i wrote down it took place in on february 27th 2015
1: so that's exactly oh what happened thank you i'm writing that down wow okay those numbers alone february 27th so you know that's a nine it's okay that's so so great what if i can just If you'll indulge me here for a minute on this, you've probably talked about it a lot. And I'm sorry, people, if you already know this, all this experience with John and this, but I don't. What was going on around 2015 in your life that you can talk about that may have brought this encounter on? Uh,
3: Well,
2: you know, I started rebuilding up my occult library. Um, I I purchased occult books to look at the symbolism and look at the you know less mainstream concepts around spirits and ghosts and demons and stuff like that and
0: uh have you ever any uh, bought any haunted books
2: uh, or items I
0: believe,
2: yeah i believe i accidentally purchased one haunted book once and i sold it uh and uh, haven't had any problems since but the reason I believe I did own a haunted book is because I bought it. It happened to be on necromancy. It it smelled heavily of incense. So it was clearly used. Probably ritualistically. I didn't know that at the time. It what, wasn't advertised as smelling like incense.
0: What kind of incense?
2: Um
0: Church, you know, I mean, churchy or Indian?
2: <laughs> it it smell it smelled um uh I guess kind of like uh, at this point, I have purchased different incenses because I was making a video with a little uh, incense burner. Mm-hmm. It kind of smelled like dragon's blood, something ah, like God. that.
1: Mm, I love dragon's
2: blood. It's
0: so sweet. Probably a Wiccan's book.
2: <laughs> yeah. And the, every pretty much every week, the book made a significantly loud creaking sound we're talking it sounded like an entity was sitting right beside the book creaking the bookshelf pretty loudly i sold it i never heard those creaks on the bookshelf ever again so and you got this around 2015 uh this book oh that book yeah actually i did get it around that time frame i sold it and then i rebought the same book but an unused brand new copy and i've never had a problem with the new version. And,
1: and so what else was going on around 2015, Feb, this time around 2015, February, huh. when this experience with this entity happened? Was there anything traumatic that had happened in your life? Was there anything significant going on? Um, I moved
2: back um, from California to Arizona, but I can't think of anything traumatic or significant of any particular uh, Okay,
1: so nothing nothing new. You weren't like just freshly getting into something new or
2: No, I can't think of anything specifically. I mean uh there's the back to the future uh October twenty first thing, uh nothing big around that year that I can think of.
1: All right. Well it's just, you know, it's such an amazing encounter to encounter something on that level. And um, I think it even becomes more significant that nothing dramatic was going on in your life at that time for this to happen. That's all I was looking for. Was was maybe you were under stress? Who knows? So that's that's extremely juicy. It's so. And then dreaming again back into the dreams. This was. I don't know if you made it, if you clarified this or not. However, other entities that maybe weren't this obviously stand out, but other, other beings within your dreamscape that were clearly not part of your unconscious.
2: Um, you know, I call them demon dreams. When I have a dream where I realize it's not my imagination. And i I can usually see that there are actors involved, and there's a set, and it was almost designed by and this is where I have to just take guesses, designed on the astral realm in some astral way, just designed temporarily as a dream. and uh, I usually start laughing when I realize um, it's not real, and it's concocted to the point where I see a set and it's not supposed to be a set, but it is. Uh, I, I I do think entities have the ability to induce dreams and uh, I can't think of a specific um, one, except for actually um, in 2002, I had a dream uh, with an alien face and the pretty much the only alien face dream I've ever had in my life. So that stands out. Do you Can want to hear you, that one?
1: Yeah, walk us down that one.
2: Okay. In 2002, I was living in Nebraska, and this is a work-related thing. I moved out there. I got a tiny apartment. There was basically nothing in the apartment, no TV, uh, no radio. There was just a phone, a table, two chairs, a bed, a couch, and a coffee table. That's it. And the, it was pretty plain and empty. And one night, I went to sleep. This was the year 2002. Um, and I had a nightmare. I can't remember what the nightmare was. All I remember is I woke up from the nightmare, and I saw my room as it was. And I was like, oh, oh good good thing that nightmare is over. And then I saw, in what I thought was a woken state, looking at my room, sitting up in my bed, I saw about a three and a half foot tall gray alien. And, uh, it was at the foot of my bed and he was kind of turning to the left and its face didn't look exactly like you see in the movies. Uh, it had eyes that kind of looked like, uh, a, uh, like a salamander's eyes, uh, kind of looked like a uh, chameleon, a chameleon's eyes, where the top and the bottom eyelids close, and it kind of has a top eyelid and a bottom eyelid, and its eyes were like half closed. And it, it was freaky. It was it was very light gray. And um, I thought I was wide awake when I saw this entity. I thought I was awake because I just woke up from a nightmare. And it turned out I was still in a dream. I was in a dream within a dream. And this is before the movie Inception came out. Uh, This was 2002. But uh, I saw this entity at the foot of my bed, I got a good look at it, and then I started to feel paralyzed. And this is probably sleep paralysis or something related to that. Um, Although I do believe it was probably an entity-induced paralysis. Mm -hmm. Just like the classic people who classically experienced that. This is the only time I'd experienced it in association with an alien face. And uh, it wasn't a cliche alien face. It wasn't uh, the generic one. It looked kind of reptilian, but it it had no scales. Um, It had no nose. The mouth was a tiny slit. Just, I guess that was pretty classic. And as soon as I became uh, paralyzed, I tried to move. And I tried to move violently until I finally woke up. And then when I opened my eyes, the room looked exactly like it looked in the dream, just minus the alien at the foot of my bed. So I had a sense that that being literally recreated my room in the dream just to trick me and scare me.
1: Do you recall? So let's back up here a little bit. Do you remember the nightmare that led into this?
2: Oh, yeah. The Nightmare was very generic. Um, I can't remember it because it's so foreshadowed in my mind by the gray alien that I forgot. Uh, All I remember is it was some kind of generic uh,
1: scary thing, maybe with a monster. I don't know. So generic scary with a monster. So... so It had a being in it, or something that was scary, instead of an environmental scary, like a dark, the dark woods or something. There was, if at least in the feeling or the reminis, reminisce aspect of this, there was something that was a figure rather than the environment. Yeah. And then you wake up, but you are within the dream still. And yeah, the one thing that's very significant here are the eyes, first thing I think of totally is that whole reptilian thing. And uh, there, I have a lot of data on them, that exact type of eye, a lot, including my own experiences. So that's significant. The, what was the general vibe, what was the mood with it did you have eye contact with it when you were looking at it
2: yeah yeah i looked straight at it it was looking straight at me Mm -hmm. it kind of leaned over like oh you're woken up like oh like it was kind of uh it had no emotion on its face totally uh uh closed mouth but uh i don't know it seemed to have. Uh, a a negative vibe to be honest it was just creepy yeah
1: yeah It, it seems like every time i've encountered stories of this particular type of whatever we want to call it entity being uh whatever it is that appears like a gray but the eyes are very salamander lizard like uh they are not friendly they're cold so and they're, they don't seem to be doing anything negative, but they have this kind of detached non-emotionality to them. Is
2: I always wondered if the only alien dream I ever had was in Nebraska, because perhaps those entities prefer to show themselves to Nebraskans. I don't know, you know.
0: That's interesting. They could be Native American <laughs> spirits too. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. I mean, idea though, it could be. <laughs> I mean, I just recently, I just had one this week with those same eyes, but it was It, wow. okay, but it wasn't a gray. It was cloaked as somebody that was very nasty to me in my life. She's dead now, but she was terrorizing me in my dream, and I confronted her. And when I got up really close, she was like a mask and under the mask were those particular eyes so and I'm not in Nebraska so what a, so this you characterized it initially as a gray and then obviously there's this
2: well, the gray with different type eyes
1: yeah you know? I I uh, I'm just fine I'm looking at the language here also I I'm wondering when did you initially get into say the paranormal and investigations in the occult how old were you oh um well it
2: was definitely after my poltergeist haunted room experience in 2011 so before 2011 uh the only occult even vaguely occult book i ever read would have been the Montauk Project series about time travel, where the co-author does throw in some Crowley uh, beliefs in there. So basically...
0: Which which one, Moon or or Nichols?
2: Yeah, Peter Moon is obsessed with Crowley, so he threw it in pretty much the second and the third Montauk Project books. And uh, that would have been my only exposure to anything occult-related on any magical level, uh, but I I didn't focus on that. I focused on the time travel, huge Back to the Future fan,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: big fan of just time travel movies and stuff like that. So I was a fan of the Montauk Project books, and then I, I get book two and three, which throws in some Crowley stuff. I'd never even heard of Crowley, except through the Montauk Project books. So that's how ignorant concerning that area I was. I didn't research it until about one or two years after my 2011 experience, because when a poltergeist entity moves stuff in your room, I at least became very curious on the nature behind it. And there are so few books that talk about it outside of psychokinesis, which I never experienced, that I wanted to know uh, what others had experienced on the subject. and. Um, You know, I know Carl Jung, uh, the big friend of Sigmund Freud, he experienced it, and he considered it psychokinesis. But what I experienced was definitely not. It was intelligent. And uh, so around 2012, 2013, I started building up my occult book collection pretty recently, not that long ago at all.
1: Did you enjoy at all like through the years shows like coast to coast or any of those that kind of were around the flagship.
2: Oh yeah, definitely. I was a huge fan of art bell. I listened to coast to coast AM all the time in the late nineties. I called in, I called in a number of times. I got through only two times. Um, One time was the area 51 caller line. And Art knew that I wasn't in Nevada and that I sounded like a little kid. So he <laughs> he said he, he had a bad connection and couldn't hear me.
3: Oh, that's but awesome. uh,
2: the time that I actually did get on the air was during the 1999 prediction line. And I made a prediction that California would lose power. And it was just, it was just an off-the-wall prediction. Art Bell said, think really hard before you... Make a prediction. Don't just throw out something stupid. Really think and consider. So I thought about it and considered it for like an hour. And then I called in and said, oh, they are going to lose power. And I did get a ding ding when Art Bell came back in 2001, I believe. He took a, a year hiatus, basically. But when he came back, he read his old 1999 prediction line list, and I got a ding. He said, you know, there were brownouts considerably. In the year two thousand.
1: Oh, that's great! So on that note, though-
0: <clears throat> sorry, I wanted to mention that uh, Peter Moon is going to be our guest on April third. Oh, cool! Yeah, so we'll we'll talk to him about his so love of Crowley.
2: Yeah, he he said Crowley did a ritual that may or may not have affected uh, the other side of the world in uh, near right. New York in, Babylon- on Long working? Island.
0: The Babylon working one
2: um i i am not sure which ex- exact ritual he would know, uh, mm. but it's in there somewhere
0: cool
1: so back here in 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 any period in your life let's look at have you had astral travel or however you want to look at that o b e experiences where so this is you know life people separate that from the lucid experience mm-hmm have you had any of those?
2: Well, I can't say that I've had any where I know that I'm flying out of my body. No, I've definitely heard about that. I I would love to experience that. Uh, I had an uncle that experienced that one time and he became obsessed with trying to reproduce it. I don't know if he was ever successful. Um, But as for me, I've never been able to see Uh, look down on the earth or fly through the ceiling or anything like that.
1: And even though you identify that jerking sensation with having been out of your body.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I do believe I've been out of my body a few inches Mm -hmm. while I'm dreaming to the point where I can hear what sounds like another dimension, the astral realm. When I leave my body, And I'm only hovering over my body maybe a foot, Mm tops, is what it feels like. Uh, But I leave my body, and I can hear a whooshing sound, like, and then I start to hear people talking or radio playing or someone playing the guitar or pots and pans banging. It's weird stuff like that. But this is rare. It happens, like, once a year, once every two years. It's pretty rare.
1: Yeah, I think you... May find if you try and push in those into those that that you might get what you want. Uh, okay, and so in the dreaming again, we we're we we're talking earlier. This kind of ties in. It what ties into all of it. What about precognition stuff or, or uh, prophetic stuff through dreaming?
2: I've experienced it. Uh, usually, it's something very insignificant, you know. Like mm-hmm. uh, I can't think of any on the off the uh, top of my head, but uh, I have experienced. Oh wow! I saw that in a dream a week ago, and here it is in real life. I guess one time I was in Nebraska doing a work thing, and I was looking at a checklist. And I had extreme deja vu, and I felt like I had a dream of that exact scene. It was so deja vu that I didn't know if I was dreaming or not in real life until I realized the connection with a dream but i can't I can't think of any other examples, but it does occasionally happen it's pretty rare.
1: So when you have deja vus on other accounts that you cannot or have not been able to tie necessarily to a dream, what do those, how how do those play out for you? Uh,
2: usually just, you know, it looks like I've seen that before. Uh, I don't know if you talk about daydreams, but uh, someone once said, oh, go to this house. And I immediately had a mental picture of a yellow house. And that's kind of odd because most people don't paint their houses yellow. But when we got there, it was a yellow house. So that's one instance where I had some type of precognition. And it's not really useful. You can't really use it to win the lottery, you know.
1: Well, it's, I mean, I think that's a solid hit. And it's something that it's like anything, you, you know, you can develop it. Mm-hmm. So i, I mean it, it really the majority of déjà vu's and uh even lucidity it's all about round mundane very mundane stuff like extremely but i think that if you push into it or try like learning to sing or, or learning anything it, it you can become quite proficient mm-hmm. what what do you think déjà vu's are i don't know you know i'm not sure what do you think they are? Oh, <laughs> turning the tables. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> good one, John. Uh, you know, I have a lot of ideas about that, but I don't like to cloud up the show. Talking okay. about me. But I, I do like, uh, I mean, I do, I do talk about my experiences as we move through, but uh, I was just wondering if you had, since we all tend to have them, if you had any ideas, again, this is, we're not looking for, you don't have to hang anything on a scientific method here. It's just your opinion. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I I, want more deja vus when they happen. I want more. I want to push into them. And hmm. I'd say over 98% of my deja vus, I, once I push into them, I can relate them to a dream at some point. Okay. And they're almost always mundane. It's like what, like you said earlier, you know, it's like walking into a room or it, there's nothing like super fascinating about them, but the feeling is super fascinating.
2: Okay. Well, I can tell you, I do occasionally have precognition, but it's always something mundane, something boring, but it comes as a daydream. And I never know if it's my imagination. Or precognition until it happens, then I can recognize. Oh, there, okay, I, I saw that before. But, so it's hard to tell because it looks exactly like a daydream when it's happening, until after the fact.
1: Uh, daydreams are very significant and, and across the board, including with people like Carl Jung spoke about daydreaming a lot and put a lot of energy into the fact that we should actually engage in that and he started to call it active imagination what how do you experience daydreaming how does it do you naturally go into it is it an exercise you do um Uh, it's
2: just you know i'll go for a walk and just movies will pop into my head that's what it
3: looks like
1: and so it just they come on naturally like with your mind wandering yeah. Yeah, that's and it's, that's a good thing. I I find I get a lot of successful uh, fodder out of daydreaming, where it's separate for me than say mind chatter. You know, it's it's more free form. It's meditative, really. It's a form of meditation in the end, as in my opinion of it.
2: Yeah, I had a dream about a t- like a wooden temple that I went to once. And this was back in 2016, not too many years ago. Can I share that one?
1: Yes. I oh, yeah. I was just writing these down. I, I automatic write, as I said earlier. You so. can
0: share anything you'd like.
3: All right.
1: <laughs> we love so, any more dreams better.
2: Actually, this dream starts with a dead relative. And whenever a dead relative's in my dream, I really pay attention. And uh, in my experience, they never talk to me. They only will show something with symbolism, it seems, you know, how they communicate. But my my late cousin, I was really close to him. Uh, he's in this dream, standing on a wooden floor with wooden walls and a wooden it looks like stained wood. Um, I'm not an expert on what type of wood it was, but it looks pretty nice. And he's wearing a white shirt and I can't remember if it was blue jeans or white pants, but, uh, uh he looks at me and then he points to the corner of the room and I turn and I look and I see there's like, a. A, a dust it looks like a colorful dust that you see in that indian color ceremony where they throw all the colorful dust up and it gets all over everyone yes i've, ne- I've never been there it looks interesting but it, it it looks like it's carefully placed on the ground on the corners of the entire room so every edge of the room has this dust and about every Two feet, it's a different color. So we have a neon purple, we'll have a neon yellow, neon orange, neon green, and red and blue, every color of the rainbow, just in this fine dust on the corner of, on the edges of this uh, wooden uh, building. So I follow and I look, and I look out the window, and the window doesn't have any glass. uh, And I look out and I see we're on the top of a, a mountain with snow, and uh, I get the feeling we're in some type of Tibetan Buddhist temple on the top of a snowy mountain, and I follow the hallway down, and there are, there are wooden pillars uh, holding up the structure. Everything's wood, and I see a a monk. It looks like a Tibetan uh, Buddhist monk in an orange robe. He's totally bald, and he's in the other corner of the other room I've just walked down the hall. And he's jumping up and down in the corner, on top of this uh, powdery stuff. And I get the sensation that they put these, this powder on the on the edges of the of the room in the house uh, to see the footsteps of any spirits that enter. That's just the uh, the first thing that came into my head. And I turn and I see a second Tibetan uh, Buddhist. Monk, similar to the other one, he's bald, he's wearing an orange robe, and he points at a bookshelf and it's a very modest bookshelf. It's very small, it is probably two feet tall, and it holds probably ten to fifteen books and it's on the floor and the room's basically empty, except for that bookshelf so i I lean down and I pull out a random book and uh I, I don't even look at the cover. I just open it up and the front cover breaks off in my hands. And then when it breaks off, I I, I close it and I look at the cover title and it says Corners of Rooms. And uh it has a little logo. And the logo it, it's uh it's kind of like a diamond shape, kind of like a kind of like a, a, a square within a square type shape. And then I open it up, and I I notice this is a book that these ancient monks had many years ago, but has perhaps been lost to time. And this is in the process where I was writing my book, Corners of Rooms, and I'm still writing it. It's probably going to take a while, but that book—I mean that that dream was very significant. Um, it's almost like my cousin was telling me to continue writing, and so. I'm definitely going to have that dream in the book, and I drew a couple pictures of what the book and what the the dust on the side of the the rooms looked like.
1: Did uh, the book you're working on, Corners Room, um, did you name it for this experience?
2: Uh, I had it named probably two years before this dream, and so this dream came on randomly, um, probably at the time where I stopped writing.
1: Interesting. Do you have a connection to Buddhism at all?
2: Well, my grandfather was Buddhist.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, that's that's significant. Uh, okay, so that and, th- and this is an, a remarkable this is remarkable. Did the so this kind of what was the mood again? I'm looking for the mood in the street. Yeah.
2: Um it was it was a peaceful mood there was no negativity. It was a very peaceful dream
1: and uh this was your cousin
2: yeah, he passed away i believe in two thousand seven
1: and this dream was in two thousand sixteen yeah when he so on on this note. Of dead people in dreams. Have you experienced other people, first off, that you know have passed in dreams?
3: Yeah,
2: I've seen my grandfather in a dream. Uh, the Buddhist? No, no, my other grandfather on the other side. Okay. And he was just, he just smiled at me. That's about the only communication,
1: nonverbal. How long after his death was he in your dream? Um wow, well,
2: probably, you know, five to ten years, a ways oh. afterward.
1: Yeah. That's a long time. What did you so when you saw him in the dream and he smiled at you, what was what was your feeling of that experience?
2: Um uh, had no, just that still out there and
1: uh he's happy. Do you do you think when we when we pass that are you where are you where do you stand with when one dies? I mean, obviously you're a ghost hunter and debunker of those things too. So, do you think we live on?
2: Well, I have some bizarre th- theories that maybe some people also believe in, but I believe that our consciousness does ascend. And then after it ascends, it can't communicate too easily. So I think there's a window. A lot of different religions believe in this window. It's either a couple days or a couple weeks. And then they ascend. And I think there's not tons of communication because they can't, because they're in a higher dimension. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just my personal belief.
1: When you some this might seem kind of random, but when you've had the sleep paralysis experience, at least the one time way back, uh, have you had sleep paralysis at other times? First off,
2: yeah, yeah, I've had regular sleep paralysis, um, and then I've had what seems like a demonic type of—I call it false sleep paralysis.
1: We we talk about that.
2: Okay, so uh, a couple of. Years ago, I guess I can talk about in the year 2013 or 2014. I think it was late 2013, early 2014. I had an entity in the dream. This is ho- totally a dream. An entity jumped on top of me and I could feel the weight of it on my chest. And uh, its face, I had a hard time seeing its face, but I really wanted to see the face. And it had black eyes and black hair and it had like a tree bark-like skin and it was all pitch black and uh, it definitely gave me sleep paralysis. I couldn't move and uh, I woke up and I was still um, unable to move for a few seconds and then I could move and uh, that one isn't as significant as a sleep paralysis, maybe about a year later. About a year later, I had an entity jump on top of me, and it felt like a cat uh, just jumping on top of my chest in the dream, and I couldn't see it. But when I woke up, it was still there. It was still there for a good 30 seconds after I was awake. There was an entity totally invisible on my chest, and I had to, like, will it to leave. And when it left, it felt like a cat jumping off my chest. But this was in the dream. And then I wake up and he was still out of the dream, still there. So that was pretty interesting.
1: Okay. So that's fascinating. Was it, did it feel, was there a fear factor to it at all?
2: Um, Those two times, definitely, there was some fear, most definitely. But I had another one. A few years ago, and I did write it down. I even drew a picture, but I have to find it. I can't find it right now. But uh, very similar to those first two. Um, in this dream, my arm was up, and uh, the entity jumped on top of me and it, it paralyzed my body, but it couldn't touch me beyond my arm, which seemingly had a shield or a force field or something. I don't know. But uh, as soon as I realized I had some type of shield around me, I felt a lot of peace and the entity left. And I woke up with a really tense, but yet I don't like it, just like the other two times, like an entity jumped on top of me, but he was unsuccessful uh,
1: that third time. What arm was it, your right or your left? It was my left arm. That's interesting. And so you had the sense that you had a shield around that arm Mm -hmm. and then you pushed into that idea and were able to kind of get a shield around yourself, which pushed this entity away. Yeah. That's good. That's very good. Um, Wow. On these, I I'm loving the cat lingering, especially however, I'm, I'm a little transfixed on the, tree bark skin of the one prior to that did it what other details can you recall with that one with the black hair and the black eyes and the tree bark skin i can
3: tell you
2: i had uh, some deja vu when about six to eight months later i believe it was i watched guardians of the galaxy for the first time i'd i'd never awesome
0: movie by the way
2: yeah, it was an awesome movie. I'd never heard of the comic book. I'm not too big into it to even know that it existed.
0: I but need to watch do it. Do you think that, that, that But when I saw Groot, Groot's
2: skin, <gasps> Groot's yes! skin, and Groot's eyes looked almost exactly like the entity, except for being pitch black and having that's...
1: hair. Okay, wait. Groot is from Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. I totally know Groot
0: because mm-hmm. he was in Avengers too.
1: So that—that's what it looked like. Yeah. It,
2: that's very close to what it looked like. When I saw that, I, I thought to myself, was this entity inspired by that character? I don't know. But I had no exposure to that character prior to, our at the time of the dream. I did recall he was a good six to eight months before the movie.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. That is, that is, I'm glad I asked for further detail on that. That's very That's great. And so sleep paralysis over the years, is it, would you say it's random, common?
2: Uh, It's pretty rare these days. I haven't had it for maybe a year and a half. But uh, during that cat jumping on me, that entity, I seem to have it pretty regularly. But I haven't had it for a while.
1: And that the cat one was around 2016 ish. Um, because I think the black the Groot one was like 2015 is what I have. That's
2: written. right. Yeah. Well, the Groot one, the Groot one was late 2013, early 2014. And uh, the cat one would have been shortly after.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I have 2015 on the cat one at my notes. <laughs> that's that's these are juicy. So with. with entities in general in dreams and these other states of consciousness that accompany dreams like sleep paralysis and lucidity and all that. So you've you've had sparing experiences with the ghosts. So the grandfather, the cousin are ones you know, these were friendly. These sleep paralysis entities are kind of a spattering. Are there other, and besides the alien-esque one, are there other things in the dreamscape, like animals or uh, cryptids of any kind, that even if they're dream material?
2: Well, it's usually humanoids, to be honest, usually just regular people. Mm -hmm. I don't have too many animal dreams. I can't think of any off the top of my head. I'm sure I have, but I can't think of any.
1: What about anything with, besides jumping off the bridge into that river, what about watery stuff?
2: Hmm. No, I can't recall any any water dreams other than that one.
1: Okay, that's good. And... Yeah, this is good. You should see these notes on you I've got. The automatic writing's off the hook with you for some reason. It's coming right through. Uh, Some people, I don't get the heavy automatic writing. Some, not at all. Some, yours is a lot of automatic writing. So what in the end, so we're talking about death and your ideas of death what do you think about what's the experience of waking life what's all this that's going on and you're in this is of course just your opinion moving through your life your experiences what what do you feel is going on with waking life and and why we're focused on kind of like a pinpoint consciousness you know like this here we are talking online uh like the nature of the universe yeah I suppose you could go big like that you know at least the nature of your universe of your consciousness
2: well uh i don't know i, I, I see there are definitely invisible laws all around us um and it's really hard to break through you know there's a book by uh, uh Paolo Coelho. Uh, the alchemist and uh, in that book he kind of teaches you how to break through and uh, i still need to work on that i need to work on breaking through and getting beyond the rat race to you know ultimate potential but uh, as far as uh, the reality of the universe like Elon Musk believes we're in some type of holographic video game simulation or something.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I believe we're in a, a an actual universe that's physical and not a video game. But uh, there are some strange aspects to the dimensions layered on top of each other, which no one can claim they are experts on, really. But uh, I see signs of the higher dimensions all over the place. and. Uh, the invisible world of these stacked dimensions i think it greatly impacts us more than more than we can see um but i have a high importance on invisible things um probably 50% of my life i i try to see the invisible hand behind things and it's pretty tough it's pretty tough you know but
0: because they're sneaky st- bastards.
3: <laughs> yeah,
2: they're sneaky. Um, you know, the singer Bjork. She yes. was being interviewed by some random journalist, and he said, uh, "What's your? Uh, uh, do you have any demons? What's your opinion of demons?" And I think he was talking about skeletons in the closet. Now that I re-listened to it over and over, he was. I think he was talking about like metaphorical demons. Yeah, and Bjork responds by saying, "Oh, demons! They're the most slippery of creatures."
1: She's Icelandic,
2: <laughs> so in Iceland they believe in fairies to such an extent, and, that el- they have and to elves, all
1: that.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: fairies and elves to the extent where it's illegal to cut yes. the foliage on the side of the road because that's where the fairies live.
0: And ro- right, and you can't deface rocks because there's some. Brand of,
2: trolls, yeah. yeah,
0: that live in there too.
2: So I thought that was funny. Bjork gave a literal response of literal demons, and I would agree they're extremely hard to prove, to find, to capture evidence of. Um, it's understandable why many people don't believe they
0: exist, but well, it's this is... kind of stamped out of our culture.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. It's a cultural thing, and that's what's so beautiful about not being homogenized is that i also
0: think though that um a lot of that americans in general are sheltered from a lot of reality it's you you know what our media is and how it's presented to us so uh that stuff's always fantasy it's always put off as fantasy
1: yeah uh what so on on the idea of dimensions How do you think that all works? What are are kind of nuts and bolts of of that? You've mentioned dimensions a couple times here tonight. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, uh, I just think there are... The dark matter that scientists already admit is there, I think some of it...
1: Uh, well, didn't it, they just say it doesn't exist? You know, scientists can't ever come to a, <laughs> an agreement on anything, and so many theories get placed into yeah. commonality that they're not even proven. And then we, you know, we start teaching people that theories are reality.
2: I don't know. I think our eyes were designed to see a very limited spectrum of light. You know, we know that scientifically. Mm-hmm. And I think these higher dimensional beings even if just one dimension above us or two they're of a different type of uh, construction where they are physical but they can be intelligently uh, kind of like intelligent electricity and they can manipulate uh, electricity better than anything else perhaps I think they're just stacked on top of us. They're a matter that we can't observe easily. I think they can observe us whenever they want, mm-hmm. but I do think their interaction with us is limited. And I think there are windows, like crossroads of the dimensions, where they can manifest. I don't know how easy it is for them, though. It might be difficult.
1: What What do you think is going on with the phenomena? Of synchronicity from your own from you from your experience I think you know we could talk Jung all day long but what, what do you think especially as you investigate paranormal stuff and debunk other stuff and your personal experiences what what is synchronicity for you well uh, you know it's basically
2: Um, it's kind of like predestination to an extent. I don't necessarily believe in being fully predestined for something, but uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that my nephew told me about a structure and that I happened to check it out one night a year ago, and a ghost was readily... Or a spirit was readily uh willing to show itself, and uh actually one of the most horrific nightmares I've ever had was relatively close to that uh eighteen thirties uh, structure um, It was in my sister's apartment, a good maybe one mile away from this structure and uh you want me to tell you this uh, pretty freaky dream? It's pretty yeah, scary. Uh,
1: yes, John, uh, that's what we're here for. I love this stuff.
0: <laughs> we want scare boners.
1: <laughs> yes, bring, bring, us, bring it to us.
2: Now that I think about it, it had to have been close to 2012. Because my nephew showed me this 1830s grist mill in, in 2012. And it uh, had to be close to that time frame I had this dream. It was the only time I ever stayed over at my sister's apartment, which was about a mile away from this grist mill. And, uh, you know, my nephew is there, my niece, my sister, her boyfriend, and uh, maybe the area. I don't know, but I don't know if that place was haunted or not. I only spent one night there, but I had a dream. For it. And I did watch a movie a number of years later where this scene was mirrored so closely, it almost makes me believe perhaps that script writer also had the same dream. I don't know, but uh, I didn't get it from a movie. Um, this is how it went. I was at a party, and everyone was wearing either a letterman jacket and was a football player in a high school, or they were a cheerleader, wearing a cheerleader costume. And it was kind of an out-of-place dream. It didn't make much sense. And it was in a room which actually had a lot of wood in it, kind of like the other one, but it was kind of dark and dingy. And the kids were drinking and smoking. And uh I was like, this is weird. What am I doing here? And th- one of the guys in the letterman jackets grabs a knife and he proceeds to cut himself open and when he's fully cut open a bunch of snakes pour out of his body it's very freaky and then i turn around and i saw pretty much everyone in the whole room doing that and snakes pouring out of their dead bodies it's very freaky it's i woke up probably with sweat on my forehead it was it was scary that's a new image for me i
1: love it what can you give us can you walk us around more of the details in the dream so there's a lot of wood old old space these are dead people you said
2: Well it looked like uh looked kind of like a basement and uh there was a couch there there was a couple chairs and there was a good probably 20 teenagers there partying smoking and drinking and all of a sudden they see me and they start killing themselves and snakes start pouring out of their bodies. Just, it didn't seem to make much sense. I didn't recognize anyone. I didn't know who any of the people were.
1: And when they saw you, was it, were you, so in this, that this is the thing that's really fascinating to me in this, the recognition of seeing you, was it like you were a ghost or you were a third person observer? And clearly you're the outsider, but when they see you, they, they do that. They create that action. And so somehow I'm curious about how how you were perceived to them. Did you get a sense of that?
2: No well, at all. It was just kind of like watching a horror movie.
1: Yeah, it's horrific. And
2: a couple years this was a good number of years later. Uh there's a movie called Cabin in the Woods that has a similar scene minus the snakes, only the killing themselves teenagers. Minus the snakes, it was a very similar setting, with less kids. But they're in a basement type area, and they start killing themselves. Pretty freaky.
1: And it didn't feel like um, a rebirthing or a a transcendence kind of thing. It was was gnarly.
2: Yeah, it's really grotesque.
1: Um, I I guess I've read about I've
2: read about since then uh, some. Uh, shamanistic experiences where there's a rebirth after a death but i didn't have a sense that that was this it seemed like a bunch of demons is what it really seemed like
1: and so that that was going to be my next question was the mood uh that is a that's a juicy one john i like these juicy ones coming from you what did you so when you woke up what was what so, what was that lingering? You know, how a dream, dream, anything, anything that can kind of leave a lingering taste, I you know, I always pay attention to. Did it was it one of those dreams that kind of affected you through the day, or was it? Oh, yeah, it definitely affected me
2: through the day to the point where I asked my nephew and my niece if they ever have nightmares like that, and I gave them a vague summary of it. And uh, I had a sense it was the scariest dream I'd ever had in my life. I asked them if they've ever had anything like that or last night or anything specific. And they all said, eh, yeah, we have, we have dreams like that sometimes. And they kind of brushed it off nonchalantly, but uh, it was freaky. They didn't confirm they ever had that exact dream. But uh, I did have a, uh, I have had a dream with three other individuals one time. If you want to hear that one.
1: Yes. Bring it on.
2: This is like a, what would you want to call it? A, a a shared dream. Other people basically had the same dream on the same night. This was in 2001. I was in a dorm room type situation, two bunk beds. There was four guys. I was one of them. And uh, I went to bed normally, like every other night probably after eating pizza no alcohol no drugs or anything like that and uh it, w- it was i would have to say it's one of the maybe the second scariest dream i've ever had i would say the snake one was the scariest this is probably the second scariest dream i ever had it was a close up of just decaying worms and just random imagery. It looked actually sort of similar to the tunnel scene in Willy Wonka. I just saw like a decaying body. I saw a bunch of worms. I saw maggots and bugs and maybe an eyeball thrown in there. Just really random, super close-up imagery. And I've never had a dream like that in my life ever. And when I woke up the next day, I asked my bed bunk, bug bed, guy i said hey did you have a nightmare last night he said yeah i did and then we asked the other two guys all four of us yeah we did and i think that was 100 percent a dream demon who induced it on all four of us the same night which i would say is personally extremely rare and i consider the demon to be lazy because if i if i wanted to have deniability I would have given it to one person and then went down the hallway, given it to one person, not four guys on the same night. That's proof that something unusual, paranormal, supernatural took place, in my opinion.
1: Do you, this is significant, and I love when people dream together. This could be looked at in so many different ways, and I like the fact that you've Brought this language into the conversation tonight. The induced dream by entities. So, could you could you give us a little foundational language on that idea?
2: Well, uh, you know, I'm not an expert on uh, incubuses and succubuses. People are familiar with the succubus and the uh, you know, the sexual dream, but I I don't have those. I tend to have, if I have a nightmare, in this particular instance, four guys in the same night, I think an incubus-type dream demon uh, seems to specialize in nightmares and has the ability to give it to people at will. Um, I don't know why, but uh, some entities seem to specialize in creating dreams and nightmares and uh it seems like a foreign concept but they almost are artists at it and they almost take pride in their ability to do it uh it's, it's a bizarre concept to me but i think such entities do exist
1: do you think the reason for doing that is to feed off your energy
2: yeah perhaps perhaps to uh, uh, increase fear Mm-hmm. Um, I those notice, types uh, of
0: demons usually feed off of sexual energy, low vibrational energy. Not, yeah. not necessarily fear, uh-huh. but maybe like mixed with the sexual. I don't know.
3: Yeah. Uh,
2: I'm sure there are ones that focus on that. Uh, uh, but the more experiences I have with negative entities, either asleep or awake, the less I am afraid of them. And uh, the less. I'm afraid of them, the less they tend to bother me. I think they love scaring people. And when you're no longer scared, you're no longer fun to play with, maybe.
1: Definitely. That's uh, that's that's for real. The thing that sets this apart, and what you were talking about earlier, though, is the fact that you mentioned Induced. And so it's hard for me not to ponder into the world of abduction stories and cover dreams and there's mm-hmm. been several through the night that would really fit into those scenarios do you uh, do you do you have any experience do you have any thoughts on possible abdu- what do you think on abductions first of all
2: well I do think um, alien abduction victims do tend to exactly uh, relate to demons uh, pulling you out of your peaceful sleep into a world that they have created and I think they can put together a set an alien spaceship uh, the pits of hell whatever they want to put there it's almost like a, a movie set but Even shamanistic experiences, when a shaman takes a shamanistic drug and goes into a higher state, uh, I have heard they experience, you know, going through the ceiling, going to a realm, and sometimes their body being torn down into nothing, being reborn. And I could see someone taking that too literally and thinking it's an alien. As far as me, I've never... I've never had any uh, physical evidence of aliens. Uh, I've had more physical evidence or non-physical evidence of, of spirit type being. I think they can wear many masks and uh, it it's a, becomes a taboo subject, though, especially in the UFO community, where they want to focus on a physical alien instead of a spirit.
1: Yeah, definitely. It, it's. Yeah, there's a lot of divide in general, it seems like, with everything. What about, do you have any military in your family? Uh, Not
2: particularly. I mean, my dad was uh, in the Air Force, and then he worked for NASA, but uh, not on any uh, uh, regular level. I think he was in the reserves or something like that.
1: He was in the Air Force and then worked for NASA? yeah okay well that's that's pretty <laughs> john that's pretty significant yeah, did dad, you he was the draftsman
2: for the original lunar module he helped uh draft that up
1: that's a that's quite a big deal i think i mean that i know be... i mean you come off quite humble but that that's a big deal and it also places you kind of in a in a select, you know, it also, it, it also could place you into the basis kind of stuff and all that. And I certainly, I don't know where you stand on all that, but it's, I mean, that's, that would be enough for me to question.
2: Well, I think there are a lot of engineers involved in it. He was just one of the many, you know, engineers.
1: Of course. You know, there, there are a lot of people in, Military period, and there are, and, and as it moves on up the pyramid of need to know, there's still a lot of people all the way up. Mm-hmm. So, did you spend any time? Were you ever around bases?
2: Um, yeah, I lived near, um, Vandenberg Air Force Base in California a number of years, and now I, right now, I live pretty close to a, a. a air force
1: base what are your thoughts on cryptids i know this seems kind of left field but things like say sasquatch
2: well um you know sasquatch i've i've seen every different uh theory on it and uh, it seems that it can't physically exist because it would have to have a gene pool of a certain number of Sasquatch to be able to reproduce. Um, I, I tend to lean toward it being a spirit. Mm-hmm. And they seem to be able to appear and disappear, although people claim they can pick up rocks and throw rocks. That would be a hard thing for a spirit to do, but perhaps not impossible.
1: Is it possible, Jerry, I think I heard your thing. Did you have a question?
0: I no. know. I'm listening.
1: Okay, since I can't see you, I can't tell if you're actually trying to.
0: No, um, I will interrupt. Have no okay. fear.
1: I plan I I do count- want
0: to ask more about the corners of rooms.
1: Let's get into it. Okay.
0: And, and I I'm my question is really how does that fit into Freemasonry and their magical rituals or does mm-hmm. it not?
2: You see. Well, uh I after posting my theory and what I experienced in 2011 uh, I lived in a room for six months I heard extremely exaggerated creaks in the corner of the room so I couldn't see the entities enter the corner um, other than perhaps a couple times when I had a green screen and they did step on the green screen and pull it down but other than the, the two times that it pulled down the green screen I heard it extremely exaggerated. Um, The foundation creaking is a normal thing. But when you hear extreme creaks, and then a, a bottle of water flies across the room, you know that an entity just entered your room. And I caught on pretty quickly, it probably did take me two weeks to figure it out. But after two weeks of hearing these creaks, and then objects move, I realized that's how they entered my room, the corner of the room and as far as freemasonry i posted about it i held on to that information for many years i did make a video and i immediately got a lot of people telling me and freemasonry is one of them someone said oh did you hear about the freemason corner ceremony i said no i'm i'm not a mason so i've never heard of that Uh, no one in my family is a mason and so i'm pretty ignorant on it but i have heard there is some type of corner clearing ceremony in masonic ritual
0: yeah i wouldn't be surprised it's it's just always fascinated me since i heard you talk about i remember you played a clip from what was it adventure time oh yeah
3: yeah
0: so i remember that that really stuck in my head and the whole uh, masonic thing with buildings and building you know creaking in the foundation you just said right so Mm -hmm. you know what if part of their ritual is calling spirits into the building to help the foundation be more structurally secure or who knows you know who knows Uh it's a blessing for all they know right but what they're really doing is possibly reinforcing (laughs) the structure of the building you know what i'm saying i don't know maybe it's a goofy thought but you never know what's going on
2: yeah i don't know i mean The Masons claim they built the pyramids, or at least some Masons claim
0: that. um, Well, some Masons did build it.
2: And some people have told me a pyramid is just a giant corner on its end. And it it could be. Maybe it's a huge Hmm. corner that the spirits are really attracted to, the tip of that uh, pyramid.
0: Well, yeah, well, I I think there's something about the angles. You know, uh-huh. because in if you look at I think it's Solomonic magic, you've got degrees to which you should face when you're trying to call certain angels or summon angels right you you point to a certain thing, so angels and angle, the words kind of close there's something to it,
2: yeah, um uh, yeah, even v- vaguely looking at a couple of cold books, demons spirits seem obsessed with uh designs with a lot of angles in them and uh i think there's something to it they almost see it in a different way humans see it and they just want to go into it or enter and exit from it it's a portal for them i don't know how it works it's perhaps multidimensionally it makes more sense or or
0: it's a lock and their energy pattern is the key and what made me think of that is uh do you know who Tracy Twyman is no She's a researcher and she proposed, she said something in an interview once, which made me think, I don't remember if she actually said this, but um, if you imagine light, the pattern it would take through a faceted, a cut gem, you know, multifaceted cut gem. Uh As it goes down in 3D from top to bottom, it's going to bounce around. Now, if you look at that pattern from above, what if that matched up with the sigil for a demon? Uh-huh. It could be the, the the energy frequency of the demon unlocking a passageway or a portal, whatever, through this crystal. That path, It's the path is the point, not the crystal.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: I, I thought it was really interesting.
2: Yeah, I'd never heard that. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Well, she thinks the sun is a crystal too, so.
2: Yeah, I've never experimented with sigils. I really don't practice magic, but I do believe it—it it, it uh, is a real thing, you know?
0: Oh, it's very real.
3: <laughs> yeah. Most definitely.
0: But it's not... Uh,
1: well, it's, hell, not it's not I the lottery.
0: It's not the lottery, and people just don't understand it. No, it's...
1: Do you see the connection between just the language angle and angel, John? I mean, does that come into your thought process when you're dealing with these things?
2: Uh, Not particularly, but, you know, sacred geometry uh, makes a lot of sense when you uh, consider uh, what it looks like.
0: Again, angles.
3: Yeah.
1: And angels, especially since you had this experience, which is... You're the only person who's brought forth so far in Noxmente, anything like that with what you're calling the the Lucifer principle. But you're the only person so far, uh, which is a gem.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm not obsessed with the devil or anything like that. But in 2010, an entity appeared in my closet. Uh, The closet was open. But the lights were off. It was pitch black. I heard a noise in my closet. Uh, I thought it was nothing, so I just uh, actually I was waiting for a cell uh, text on my cell phone. I had an early uh, cell phone back then in in uh, 2010, and I was just waiting for a text. It was about 11 p.m. and after searching and scouring my notes. I downloaded my Facebook uh, information, and I finally found a text that I sent the day after the incident, which was able I was able to backtrack and find out it was on February 17th, uh, Ash Wednesday, I guess, uh, in in 2010. And I'm not Catholic; I don't know the significance of that. Uh, but uh, all I know is a, a a negative entity appeared in my closet. As I was waiting to hear uh, from a text that I usually got every night, um, the text never came. But I listened for it, and I heard this significant sound in my closet a second time. And then after that, I leave out details because I don't want to scare people. But this spirit walked through my body. and
1: uh, Can you give us the details you usually leave out?
2: Well, the details are the. I heard it made significant sounds on top of a cardboard box in my closet. It sounded like a human being sitting on a cardboard box. It's a pretty distinct, it's distinguishable sound. You, you can uh, know what it sounds like, you know, when a, some person sits down on a cardboard box. I knew there was no one in my room. The door was locked. No one was in there. I was by myself. Lights were off. I heard this sound twice in my closet and then a good two minutes after it happened the second time uh, the entity walked through my body and it it uh, it was the most powerful electric electricity type feeling I've ever felt in my life uh, passing through my body and I I have, I I accidentally held onto an electric fence when I was a kid. So, you know, I've been electrocuted before. And this is way different, uh, way stronger. It builds character.
0: It puts hair on your chest.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's more memorable. Uh, But as the spirit walked through my body, it went as it's, I don't know if it was, had resistance, but it went very slow. It took its time walking through my body. It probably went. It probably took a good thirty seconds to walk through my body. It went that slow, and when there's an entity walking through your body for thirty seconds, it feels like uh, it feels like a, a long time. But it had a distinctly evil. I, I almost ha- felt immediate um, hatred and sorrow and pain and misery as it walked through my body, and I also felt this spirit sticks out among other spirits because it felt like there was a good thousand spirits walking behind it. And uh, it left my body and I could feel it moving through my body. So slowly I could feel what direction it was walking and it walked toward the direction of the window and it disappeared. And I, I immediately jumped up. I turned on the light to make sure there wasn't a cat In my room because this was my sister's house and she did own two cats. There were no cats in my room. Nothing. I immediately texted the person I was waiting a text for, and I did meet with them a couple days later for lunch. And I told them the whole story, and they nonchalantly were like, "Eh, that's that's interesting." And they 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 didn't take it seriously. They acted like I made it up. So I kind of kept it to myself for a little bit, but. When I looked on Craigslist to move out of my sister's house, I uh, first moved into this dorm room uh, type kid scenario. It wasn't a dorm, but these were college kids, very messy house. When I moved out of there, I found a house on Craigslist, and it happened to be an extremely poltergeist haunted room. And I, it was a year later. Uh, I feel that... Poltergeist haunting was directly related to this demon that appeared in my room in 2010. I think the demon um, had a personal hatred for me and wanted to assign poltergeists to harass me. And it's kind of strange when a demon takes interest in you to the point where it, revealed it reveals itself. I think there's a chance that the demon was sitting in my closet all night, watching me all night. And it waited until about 11. 05 to reveal itself.
1: That's incredible. It's incredible. One of the things that is so, it's like a side note here, that's my mother's death date too, is February 17th at 107. Oh, wow. I'll never forget when she took that last breath and I looked over at the time. Uh, That's incredible. Do you think it's possible it could have been, so is it possible that it could have been sent via someone, say via a um, magician? Well,
2: I, I considered that, but I don't think it was. And I can tell you um, something I've never said before, i never mentioned before, ever. Uh, I am going to make a, an update to that story. I already filmed it a good year ago, but I take my time when it comes to uploading content sometimes videos because this particular story is just really traumatic and so I didn't want to just throw it up there I wanted to take my time with it but a good couple days before this demon appeared in my closet a couple days before I was uh, you know I was a little bit depressed cuz I moved to a new town and I was trying to make friends and I couldn't couldn't find anyone that wanted to go to the movies with me couldn't find any friends to hang out with. So I walked into the strawberry fields, which are literally a couple blocks away from my house. This is in Santa Maria. They're famous for uh, having a lot of strawberry fields. They sell strawberries there. And uh, so I walked, this was a couple nights before the demon incident. I walked into the uh, the fields, which I now know are... Uh, greatly guarded. They have like 24-hour guards, which make sure no one walks into the uh, farm property. But uh, I didn't know that at the time. So it was pretty late, a good maybe 12 a.m. I can't remember the exact time, maybe 10 p.m. It was pretty dark. I walked into the strawberry fields and I prayed. I said, ah, I, want, I need a friend. Can you please help me make friends in this new town? And um that's the only incident I can think of that would cause a demon to be interested in me. I think as I was praying, a demon watched me pray and watched me for a couple of days and appeared in my closet. So that's a warning. Maybe don't pray in, in a field. It it can be a good thing, but it can also be a negative thing. Um, it, that's That's what happened. I recorded myself talking about it in greater detail about a year ago. But I haven't uploaded it yet,
1: thank you for that that's this is all incredible i'm I'm wondering also I'm wondering what are your thoughts on so we talked about interdimensionality and uh, you know other dimensions and uh-huh. all that's tying into that, which is where I think these things kind of cross right where we the, the as you calling them demons. Where, and also this is where we get a separation of the idea of time, how we experience it It Mm -hmm. is a a strange overlay onto the idea of dimensions and higher dimensions, lower dimensions. Where are you in the landscape of timeline? How do you feel about that, especially since you've done all that John Teeter stuff?
3: Well, uh,
2: you know, John Teeter uh, is just a guy that was trolling in the year 2000 on the post-to-post Art Bell forums. In the year 2000. And <laughs> I, uh, said, oh, I guess some people say he might have even posted in 99, but his, most of his posts were in 2000. He stopped posting in 2001. And I, I after researching it thoroughly, came to the conclusion and getting tips from his brother, Arthur Haber, one of the brothers nobody knew existed concerning the story. Obviously, the family members knew about him, but John Teeter fans had never heard of Arthur Haber. Arthur Haber emailed me out of the blue, said, oh, I think it might be one of my brothers. You're probably right. And I questioned him. I said, uh, yeah, I think it's Maury. And he said, no, I think it's my nephew, Brandon. And Brandon Haber would have been about nine years old in the year 2000 so no nobody thinks a nine-year-old was writing those posts uh maury haber had the computer expertise he knew about the ibm computers he threw in a nine percent divergence cop out in the story if 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 my predictions don't come true it's because i'm my timeline is nine percent different than your timeline and He never mentions iPhones once. Uh, He's a fan of IBM, and he mentions IBM multiple times. If he knew the future, he would have talked about Apple a little bit more. uh, And uh, I personally believe we are on one timeline. I I know it's not uh, fantastical, it's not interesting, but I don't believe in multiple timelines. I don't think there are. I believe in multiple dimensions all in the same universe.
0: <clears throat> what makes a dimension not a timeline?
2: Oh, well, concerning time, though, spirits. I think spirits experience time completely different. Uh, a theoretical quantum physicist that would delve into the possibility of spirit beings, higher dimensional beings, would have a probably a better understanding than I would, but perhaps a week to them uh, is a second. I think they're, if they're as old as they, uh, could be thousands of millions. It could be billions of years old. I don't know how old these entities are, but uh, demons. And some of people say they're good. Uh, whether you think they're good or not, they're definitely ancient. And uh, I think when I visit the Grist Mill in eighteen the 1830s building, I think the spirit acts like I was there yesterday, even though it was five months ago.
0: What if um, it's our time that's off? Because it could be said that we collectively, as a a group, agree on a certain time. You know, on, what is it, the Gregorian calendar and, and, you know, Vatican time, basically. So we all agree to that, and that's the time that we have. But everything else works on whatever, you know, universal time.
2: Do work off some type of schedule. Uh, angels, demons—I don't know what that is—but February is a significant month for me. A demon appeared in my closet in February. Many years later, in 2018, in February, I went to this haunted grist mill, and uh, it was ex- exceptionally active. It walked on the grass, and I filmed it. And I was hoping that one year later it would walk on the grass again, but it didn't. Uh, so I'm a little bit
0: disappointed. Did it didn't you ask walk on it to? Did you ask it to?
2: Well, I, I said, yeah, can you make your presence known? Can you walk? Uh, but then again, the grass wasn't dry and dead mm. when I went there a couple of days ago. It was all wet and it just rained and it was newly grown grass. So even if it did walk, it would have been a lot quieter.
3: Mm.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned, I don't have my notes now, but there were a couple other, there was one other February major event in your chat earlier, um, and I don't have my notes in front of me right now. All right, I want to ask,
0: when is your birthday or what sign are you? What zodiac sign?
2: I'm a Scorpio. Uh, My birthday is November 6th.
0: So not February.
2: No, the other February incident might have been the angel with the green cloak, it was February twenty yes. seventh.
1: Yes, and that's super significant. so, so that was February 22nd, twenty second. It's 27th. And then the box was seventeenth.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, very significant.
0: See, so, now with all the time talk, this is just making me think for some reason about how March is really the the new year, right? Um, humans had March first was the beginning of the new year before the Gregorian calendar, uh, the Romans had, you know, and uh the Romans set it up that way. So March was the first of the year. That would make February like the, the end of a cycle, right? So maybe spirits are more active because they get, I don't know, wiped or <laughs> pruned at the end of each cycle. Who knows? Yeah. I just, I, don't I know. It could be something that has some new time. Interesting. But
2: it was a super moon when I did visit the spirit, almost on the one year anniversary. And I did ask it if the supermoon affects it and I didn't get any response, but it did set off the static meter, all eight LEDs. It clearly set it off uh, almost like waving its hand in front of it. And that's all it did was that one thing, maybe a couple sounds. Uh, I looked at the audio, listened to it. I couldn't hear any voices. Hmm. It's pretty rare for me to capture a voice, but people have told me a super moon affects spirits. Well, this spirit didn't seem too affected by it.
0: Have you ever played with, um, any of those, uh, do you know who Bill Chappelle is? Uh,
2: no, sorry.
0: DigitalDowsing.com. I think he oh, makes this, yeah. uh, the SL, SL, I forget what it's called. It's an Xbox camera for ghost hunting kind of thing.
2: Well, yeah, I am familiar with the digital dowsing, uh, creator, but no, I've never used one yeah. of those.
0: Yeah. But you, you're aware of them? Yeah. What's your thoughts on them? What's your thoughts on digital ghost hunting equipment versus analog? That's a better question.
2: Well, you know, I mean, I'm skeptical, but I also believe at the same time, like we have the, uh, what is that? Xbox uh, device that can see the stick figure it's really looking for a player for the video game and some guy discovered that spirits can manifest on it i think perhaps a spirit can go inside of the device but perhaps it's looking for something that's not there and it's programmed to do that and i guess the uh so i i have never used it if i've never used it I don't have too much of an opinion on it, but like the, the sweep boxes, the, uh, ghost
3: boxes, sweep
2: radio, uh, frequency signals. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of 50, 50 on that. I've never used one, but I can see a disbeliever saying it's just playing a random, uh, especially if you tune into a religious station that shouts out demon and hell, you know, it might just be random, randomly, uh, scanning. So, I I have picked up voices with nothing scanning, just a a lapel mic with a recorder. I think it's possible. And I I consider that the EVP a little bit more reliable.
0: Uh, Um, use a digital recorder for that?
2: Yeah, I've probably purchased a good 15 to see if ones work better than others. And it's pretty tough to get... uh, There's a a tunnel with graffiti not too far from my house that I have gotten the best evidence voice-wise than anywhere else.
0: Very cool. Very cool. That's all my questions, Nish. Is she here? Yeah, I feel,
1: yeah. I was wondering if we had questions from the chat, because of course I can't see unless I click over.
0: Now, where did you go? All right, I got questions from the audience. How about that?
1: Can you hear me, Jer? Now I can. Oh, yeah, that was my question. Since I don't see the chat, I was wondering if we had questions. Can you hear hear me?
0: Yeah, we have questions. (laughs) I'm going to start asking them. Quit interrupting.
3: Sorry.
0: (laughs) Okay, Jer, sorry. such a professional show. All right, do you think people manifest the entities because of their fear or low vibration, or do you have other theories?
2: Well, I believe that uh, you might be a a better target if you're at a certain frequency, and perhaps people that meditate can fight it off uh, on levels that we don't understand. I Having a messy room alone can attract them, I noticed. Uh, At least they tend to bother me more when my room is messy. Uh, But definitely, if you think peaceful thoughts, they're going to have less effect on you.
0: Good, good, okay. Is there a common time that your nocturnal experiences occur?
2: Well, February seems to be... A pretty strong one. Um, but I would have to say, you know, the, the cliche devil's hour, 3 a.m. Uh, I actually, a couple months ago, I was watching probably Netflix, and I saw on my lamp, probably 1 a.m., I saw a shadow pass, right past my steel lamp. So it has a good reflection being steel, stainless steel. And it was probably 1 a.m. It's the only time I've ever seen a shadow walk past my lamp. It was pretty freaky. So the middle of the night is the hours of, it's cliche, but spirits can manifest. All right.
0: Interesting. People are begging for your origin story. So maybe we can wrap with that. I got one more question. Um, Have you ever read any material science books that correlate with your own non-material experiences?
3: Um, Well,
2: you know, I've definitely read some of Kaku, a little bit of Hawking. And even though they wouldn't talk about spirits, uh, they do occasionally talk about dark matter or invisible dimensions. And I think it's not a stretch. Uh, I did read a... Tibetan book of living and dying, and at the end, the author says he wishes science and spirituality could come together because they're not in disagreement if you look at them from a certain perspective
0: true um but I think well, my opinion is that that dark matter, whatever they're calling dark matter dark energy, is really the ether, and they'll never be able to detect it with the way they're going at it, but that's just my thinking right now. Um, but they're having a hard time finding and proving that dark matter exists, even though they say they do. That it does rather. But it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So um if you <laughs> Brandon's in chat and he's going, you gotta tell the origin story about was an electric fence. Uh,
2: well, well electric fence origin story the brief time I lived in Colorado, I mm-hmm. probably lived there for six months as a four year old, right after moving from idaho and uh my brother and sister were playing cops and robbers and my sister is about a year and a half older than me my brother is about two or three years older than me so they're the older cool kids they're playing cops and robbers and they wouldn't let me the four-year-old play so i just kept begging them can i please play and they said you can be the robber we will be the cops you got to hold on to that fence over there And I was weary. Even as a four-year-old, I was like, "Mm, I I don't want to hold on to that. It looks dangerous. It was just a silver wire on the bottom of the fence, very low. We're talking a couple inches off the ground, specifically there so the dog doesn't dig underneath. And my parents were renting the house, so they didn't have it put in. It was already there. But my brother and sister convinced me, it won't hurt you at all. Just grab hold of it really tight and uh you know they mimed it they're like just grab it like that so i was like i was convinced that it's safe as both my brother and sister said it was so i grabbed it as hard as i can with both hands and it immediately started electrocuting me and i couldn't let go because my muscles in my hands were constricting that's the immediate uh, reaction when Electricity flows through your hands, I learned from firsthand experience. So even I'm trying to let go, but I can't because my hands are in a permanent gripped gripping position. So my sister grabs my mom, and my mom and my brother and my sister try to pull me. But every time they touch my legs, they get electrocuted because the, le- the electricity is flowing through my whole body, probably into the ground, probably through my body, through my shoes, into the ground or something like that. Uh, it was continuously flowing. It was a pretty low current, but he was still strong enough to scare a dog. You know, he would shock a dog enough where the dog wouldn't want to dig. But I don't know how many volts, but he was a considerable amount of volts. My mom called the fire department. So I was continuously being electrocuted for five to ten minutes straight until the fire department showed up and these two big burly firemen both grabbed a leg and they were most definitely being electrocuted, but they yanked me as hard as they could. My hands, my fingers finally let go and they gave me a lollipop and they said, Stay safe. And uh, I think after being electrocuted five to 10 minutes straight, I have the ability to feel on a higher level when a spirit walks through my body. You know, it sounds like a fake story or whatever, but. My brother remembers it. My mom, my sister remember it. It's a true story. And I do feel when a spirit's walk through me. I think everyone has spirits walk through them, but they can't feel it. Although many ghost hunters do feel some sensation, and many psychics do feel some sensations, I feel it, uh, so I know for a fact, on a different level. Like, when that demon appeared in my closet, I could hear it with my ears.
1: Uh, this brings that I have a question when you're done
2: but it, when it walked through my body I had further confirmation there was something there if I didn't feel it walk through my body I would have just heard a sound in my closet so I, I use it as a sixth sense to validate whether something's there or not
1: that that's intense 10 minutes is intense I had I lived in a ghetto apartment in wicker Park in Chicago in the 90s actually it was Virginia village and We had faulty electricity and I was in a, both my sister and I had this experience, but the electricity somehow got tied into the clawfoot tub and we both got electrified in it. And this is momentarily, and there's nothing like that wave and your your muscles can't do anything. It's really a strange experience. However, the question I had was, do you experience a lot of, tones in your ears like tinnitus but not just a single tone uh, a range of tones um no i did not tinnitus
2: uh, but uh, maybe a good 10 years ago i did have a ringing but it was temporary and it went away
1: okay because i've often wondered if my experience with just that brief amount of electricity through water was somehow opened, opened me up because I didn't have, I don't recall ringing in my ears until after after that experience. And then through the years, it's been, I mean, that's the nexus point for me with the tinnitus. So it just made me wonder, I have, I've always connected it, but I see, all right, 10 minutes, geez oh my
0: god what's 10 minutes
1: he was electrocuted for 10 minutes oh yeah that's incredible It's crazy
0: i got electrocuted once when i was a kid there was like exposed wires in our bathroom we had our basement remodeled you know two two seconds "Eh." that was it
1: yeah it's fast well we both uh, julie and i both had it separate times and it was like trying to get out but you're you're uh you know it's a wave like you have no control it's very weird
0: yeah well we're kind of electromechanical robot right.
1: things. yeah but it's hard to explain to people unless they've experienced a little shock you know like at least a little
0: yeah you could just put a battery on your tongue and get a shock
1: yeah but it doesn't it doesn't the moving through your whole body in the wave experiences different experience than the tongue thing i think i got oh I mean, yeah
0: because it travels oddly it goes like across your chest if you if you grab it a certain way on your, you know, with one hand.
1: Yeah, it feels. It does feel like a wave. Yeah. Any more questions out there?
0: No, that's it. Brandon said, "Imagine 10, 10 minutes, four years old muscle constriction." I it can't imagine. Like,
1: that's what I'm saying. It's almost um, like sleep paralysis
0: mm-hmm. in a way.
1: It's incredible. It makes a lot of sense to me with the stuff you've brought to. John, that you had that experience early on. I feel like it could have opened you up in a way yes. that you're just explaining. Perhaps it makes
2: me just, I don't know. Someone said, I have one foot in the grave. I don't, I mean, that's just sim- symbolic, but maybe they can see me a little bit differently because I was electrocuted. My mm-hmm. spirit was electrocuted. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it, it's interesting. It does seem connected. Well, this has been a wonderful couple hours spent with you. And these stories are incredible. I am especially interested in in your angelic being. And I can't wait to dig into what you have online about that. Very, very significant for me personally. And so, uh, as always, something comes that I need from each person that comes on. So I thank you very much for this.
0: Because she's a psychic vampire, she takes a little bit. <laughs> I'm not from I'm everybody.
1: Specific... I'm
0: kidding. No, it's kidding.
1: Looking for very specific stuff, and he brought that angel. It's been
2: mm-hmm. a very fun show. I'm happy to to be here.
0: So what what was it, what's November six? People are asking. Or someone asked.
2: Oh, that's my birthday.
0: Oh, they're asking how old you are.
2: Uh, my age. Your age. Eh, it doesn't matter. I'm in my 30s, yeah, you know? That's I what I figured. Yeah, he's
1: I know. It is. <laughs> you are so strange like that. Uh, well, I mean, I think it, you know, if they listen to the early part of the show, what you liked could give them an idea of where you are, like Thundercat, mm-hmm. and all that.
0: So. Right. And you can find links to John's YouTube channel in description and in the show notes on our Discord server, where you all should be, where you can talk to us 24-7
1: here we are on at odd hours and thank you everyone that tuned in I'm sure all our all my favorite people are in there I, hello to all of you that I cannot see so
0: yes thank you so much and thank you John John do you have anything coming up that you'd like to plug or anything you want to plug you
2: know, uh, I'm just working on investigating and uh, I went to an 1830s grist mill four times And uh, four separate months, a spirit set off the static meters all four times.
1: Oh, wow. And
2: so I'm making that into a documentary, but I'm going to release it one uh, segment at a time. And I'm working on part two. And uh, it it proves spirits are real to the point where I invite people, if you want to come and hold a camera, I would be interested to in seeing if two or three people it'll still show up scientifically. I don't know if it if it's shy or what, but it definitely shows itself to me And I'm interested in proving on a scientific level spirits invisible beings are real
1: i I can't wait that's exciting and so we will have all your links. Is there just a general uh what's your website?
2: Uh, it's uh, youtube.com/slash hoax hunter. I used to focus on hoaxes, but now I focus on more spiritual aspects after my uh, haunting experience. It changed my whole perception on what I should focus on.
1: And those are my favorite, favorite stories, John. People that came at it from your perspective initially, and the experience changed you. That's how I feel with Bigfoot. I <laughs> like, I love it, but I will never. I made fun of it for years, and now I'm now I'm like, leave Bigfoot alone.
0: I used to so. make fun of people coming out of church. not do that. Anymore. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> our our own evolutions is it's wonderful to see. Definitely. Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, next week, we have the strategic sorcerer himself, Jason Miller, joining us. So be sure to tune in. Have a great night.
1: Goodbye, everyone.